Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone, and today we're going to be discussing Jordan Peele's new horror flick, Us, released in 2019, starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, and Elizabeth Moss. This film is about a family on vacation that runs into a group of doppelgangers and the horror that follows. Um, Brian, I, I know this was kind of top of mind for both of us. We just recently watched Get Out. But given this is a big year for horror films, I'm curious where this kind of fell uh, across the other ones in terms of the hype and how excited you were for this one. This is definitely the horror movie I've been looking forward to the most. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think that um, hmm, other ones that are up there would be Are You Afraid of the Dark and uh, Ari Aster's new one, but I think this this was number one. Yeah, I mean, you've also got like Pet Cemetery and the sequel to It coming out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 I forgot about Ari Aster, Aster's new one coming out too. So definitely a huge year for horror in general. And this kind of fits. Yeah, there's right a lot to look place. forward to. A, a new James Wan coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel like this is the first one to kick off the streak of all those other ones that are going to follow. Yeah. I should. We should also mention that we're probably going to put this out a couple weeks after we record it. So. Some one or two of those movies might be out. Pet Cemetery might already be out by the time our listeners oh, do this. Point. Yeah, true. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to see that one soon. Yeah, and we'll probably mention some box office numbers that are slightly outdated, but we can at least talk about opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, the the one that counts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Jordan Peele, um, we watched Get Out what just like two three weeks ago, and yes, I, I think. Both of us are pretty amazed. It was like your fourth time watching it and my second time, right? Yeah. So I, I, I was really nervous for Jordan Peele coming into this one. I mean, he kind of blew the minds of everyone who saw Get Out. He was That was his first film uh, that he was directing in the horror genre. And this was like his big follow-up that I think is highly anticipated. I mean, I can't even imagine being in his shoes trying to put this movie together. And just, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I would have been like freaked out if I was him. On the pressure on yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much pressure and sophomore slump is a thing. So people are watching this with very excited and high expectations. So if they don't like it, it you know, <laughs> fart noise. <laughs> Insert fart noise here. Yeah. We'll see you later, Jordan. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're in the it, farting place now. <laughs> Yeah, the farting place. That's going to be his third film about what happened after he released the second film. <laughs> um, and, and even the whole teaser for this one, I know you don't you know, generally watch uh, previews, but I, I think they started campaigning this one around the Super Bowl, and uh, the trailers are very... Um, you know, kind of mysterious. It, you know, showed like there was something going on with some doppelgangers, but no one really know what to take about this movie and leading up to it. Like it was just very kind of top secret and very mysterious in terms of what the actual story is. So I think that got kind of all like further built out the hype of like his follow-on sequel film. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm glad I didn't watch any of the trailers. Yeah, <laughs> but you, although you watched... I still knew it was a doppelganger thing, I I wish I had could have somehow gone into this knowing, not knowing it was doppelgangers, but uh, such is mm-hmm. life. Yeah, I mean that, that that's one thing from trailers. It was doppelgangers and a lot of scissors. I th- I think that's like the two hints that we had. Right. Um. And and did you watch end up watching the trailers after watching this then? Oh, I meant to before this episode, and I I still haven't. But I texted uh our friend. And super fan Alex 
maybe yesterday and I was like, dude, you should, I know you're not going to see this movie because Alex doesn't watch horror movies. He just wants to know about them. Yeah. He's like, but you, you'd really like this, uh, I got five on it remix. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, man, that's all over the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that's also, been, yeah, that's been a big part of the whole uh, campaign and, and the trailers. <laughs> yeah. Now I know this. Yeah. Which, which is, it's a really cool version. I, I love that version. Pretty, pretty oh, iconic with the film. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm actually kind of glad the first time I was hearing it was in, <laughs> in the, the climax. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it hits pretty hard when you see it in, in film. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people coming into this were obviously going to draw comparisons to Get Out, and I, I, I bet you know a lot of people went to see this thinking that it's going to hit on the same kind of themes, which I, I think we'll discuss later. But I, I know from hearing some of Jordan Peele's uh, backstory of, of making this, he was trying to move away from something that was as heavy um, on the racial themes and some of the social commentary that Get Out was and make it more of a just a general kind of horror film. Yeah, but I think he was also wanting to hit some some commentary and deeper meanings as well. I think he just wanted to move away from focusing on race. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think he kind of blew it out beyond race into like getting into some other areas. Yep. Um, and, it, and it's cool to, to hear his backstory, um, you know, when he's talking about this. Uh, I heard him kind of saying, like, you know, as he was growing up, he didn't see a lot of horror films that had a lot of black people in them. And uh, that's, like, kind of what he's trying to change now is to see or how to put them in these movies and make it normal, I guess. Uh, and, and it always doesn't have to be about race, right? Right. And it's, you know, it's interesting to see these movies like this and Black Panther are two yeah. examples where you're like, oh, the cast is not almost entirely black people and you're just not used to seeing that yeah. in a movie unless it's a quote unquote black movie. Right. Which, yep. yeah. So it's cool. It's, yeah. yeah. It's good. I, I think, yeah. And, and I think that's a phenomenon that like Hollywood's just catching on to in these last few years. Like you look at Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians, Get Out, uh, and now Us. I mean, you know, anytime we do these movies that are bringing in the minority perspective, like people are really valuing that and they're seeing the money pour in and people come out to see these movies, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like you said, Jordan Peele said, like, gotta, gotta normalize this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing, I mean, we've been watching horror movies for, you know, so long and I guess it never jumped out to me that it was such like a, a white theme in, in all the movies we we're watching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... For some reason recently I was thinking about TV and I don't watch much TV these days but I feel like even when I was a kid there was there were more shows with an all black cast that I mm -hmm. didn't feel like it, they weren't on like BET, you know? Like there yeah. was Family Matters and Fresh Prince and Right. That's Wayans true. Brothers and Martin like Yep. I don't know, maybe those shows exist today and I'm just not aware of it but yeah, it's almost like we've gotten farther, farther from from the goal. Yeah, I mean, I I, can, I don't know if I can name uh, any show I would watch with consistency, like compared to like Family Matters in the '90s or Fresh Prince. Um, yeah, that that's a really good point. Um, yeah, it does it, hmm, it almost feels like we've gone backwards in that sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Unfortunately, my question is like, when's an Indian horror film coming out? <laughs> It's like, <laughs> like what's M Night Shyamalan doing this whole time? Why, why was he only shooting these white people? He could he could have been doing this years ago. Is 
a stupid question. Is M. Night Indian? He is, yeah. Has he really cast any Indian people in his movies? Just himself. <laughs> Just as Kenya. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he reserves that spot in his movies. <laughs> Which, given how good his movies have been lately, it's probably best that he's, he didn't, he didn't uh, have too many Indians in there. <laughs> uh, that's a good point, though, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some people are calling this a, a slasher, which I, I was kind of surprised of. I mean, that that wasn't what came to mind immediately when I saw it. But what what do you think? Is that is that a fair description? No, it doesn't feel like a slasher to me. It doesn't have like a cast of characters that are slowly dropping off one by one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have. I typically think of a slasher as just one enemy. Yeah. Who is kind of immortal or super superhuman a lot of the times and. Um, no, I, I don't think this is a slasher. I agree. Yeah, but have you seen that? that is, is that just me, or have you seen like that that term thrown around with this film? I haven't seen that, but I haven't. Oh. I just saw it a couple of days ago, and haven't done a crazy amount of digging or listening okay. or reading about it. Yeah, I mean, you do have a lot of people running around with scissors, and so yeah, there's like some slashing with a scissor, I guess. But yeah, you're right; it doesn't fit your normal. Uh, slasher genre description. I think you're right. Usually a slasher, you got one person going around cutting people up and just knocking characters out. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, if anyone's new to this show, we're going to spoil everything. So yeah. see this movie before you listen. Yeah, for sure. Unless you like getting things spoiled. Yeah, and, yeah. we've got some of those too. Come <laughs> yeah. on in. Yep. Um, so what genre would you put this in? Is it, is it, uh, if they, I mean, it kind of felt a little bit sci-fi for me and maybe some elements of home invasion. Did, did you get anything else from it? Yeah, it does have a little, I think home invasion is fair. Um, it's kind of like doppelgangers could be a little bit of a subgenre, um, mm-hmm. or like body snatchers, mm-hmm. like invasion of the body snatchers, the thing, oh, yeah. um, had some elements like that. Yeah. Uh, or even they live, just like people being, people not who you think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point. So that's not totally, that's not new. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of, I think it's done here to more effect and, and he goes more full throttle with it than a lot of other things do. But he based this, not based it, but this was kind of inspired by a Twilight Zone episode called Mirror Image. Mm-hmm. It was centered on a woman and her evil doppelganger. So it isn't, it's a little bit of its own subgenre. It's not huge, but they're yeah. out there. The doppelganger subgenre. Yep. Man, I feel like we're going to be saying the word doppelganger a lot throughout this. It's a weird word the more I say it. I know. I know. I like when you, when I type out the word doppelganger, it automatically formats it into the German, uh, you know, the, the dots over the O and everything. It's It's kind of fun. It's satisfying. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> if you're really good about yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely got vibes of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and, and those films. So yeah, good good point. Yeah. Ooh, and uh, speaking of Twilight Zone, by the time you guys hear this, um, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone is going to be out. I think the Twilight Zone reboot that he's hosting is starting April 1st. Oh, wow. I had no idea it was coming out that early. And is that going to yeah. be on Netflix? I don't know. I can't remember where it will live. It's mm-hmm. webisodes from what I read, so I'm not sure where those will be found. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. 
Yeah, it should be awesome. Uh, Jordan Peele, I, I think he just in general, he's really stepped up and taken a huge leap into the horror film space. And I think he's one of like the defining actors uh, at, at this time. Like, you know, step aside like the Flanagan and uh, um, I don't know, even James Wan. Like, I feel like he kind of stepped away uh, for, you know, the action film last year. But I, I feel like this guy and that Ari guy uh, and maybe that Eggers guy, I feel like these three are kind of stepping up the game in the horror film space. Yeah, for sure. I mean, after Get Out, Get Out alone puts him on the map, having an, a horror movie nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And then to follow it up with a movie that we both probably think is pretty good and that everybody <laughs> seems to think is pretty good is yeah. very impressive. I yeah. Mean, these are two giant horror movies that made tons of money. Yep. So, yeah, he's 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 right there on that list all of a sudden, two movies in. Yeah, I know. And just like within two years. Yep. And, uh, yeah, speaking of the success of this, I, I think last I checked it was at around 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's got like $102 million from opening weekend. Uh, you got some box office stats to drop on us? You know, I kept getting weird numbers uh, for the opening weekend, but I did get some stats that it was the highest opening ever, highest opening weekend ever for an original R-rated movie. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. There were 11 R-rated films to open higher. Mm-hmm. But they were either sequels or adapted from books. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, some stats I saw, which I, these sound a little wonky to me, but it had the second best opening for a live action original film after Avatar, which that's that's kind of crazy. That was, that was like 10 years ago, and this is like the next biggest live action original film after Avatar. Yeah, and then Avatar isn't live action. Oh, yeah, you're right. So that whole, I read, there were like three or more little fun facts fun facts or stats like that out there, but yeah. when I read them closer, I was like, these don't make that much <laughs> sense. So I yeah. got rid of them. Someone's messing with us. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, the other one was like, it was the third best opening for a horror film after It and uh, Halloween, which I, I could believe that. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and I think uh, a Quiet Place broke records for a horror film, and then mm-hmm. it no, because it was twenty seventeen. There's a lot of stupid information out there to tell you the truth. A uh, Quiet Place was twenty eighteen, I think, right? Yeah, but I think I read somewhere that a Quiet Place was the biggest horror opening weekend, and then it broke it, and then mm. but it came before, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's weird. I think what I wrote was confused. What I read was confusing, and what I'm saying right now is even more confusing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, so I think the takeaways. We, we can edit all that out if we want to. Yeah. I, Put I it think in the, the farting place. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in the farting place. Uh, I, I think the takeaway, though, is like each of these horror movies coming out, and, and this year we already talked about like all these big ones coming out, but successively, I feel like they're just breaking more and more records. And I think you referred to yeah. this in our best of 2018 episode or our wrap up that like, you know, horror films are starting to take on, become these big like blockbuster uh, box office hits, which I, I think this kind of proves. Yeah. And I think there are more and more horror performances that are kind of knocking on the Oscars door and just making it more and more obvious that the Oscars are ignoring horror. Yeah. Yeah. Not for long, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, and it's great that Get Out got four nominations, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. There are other yeah. horror movies that, that should have been on there in the past few years. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this one comes up on that at all. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I feel like Jordan Peele is so trendy right now that I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it'd be weird that to, to acknowledge him with his first film and he's getting like even bigger. And then, yeah, I, I think you're right. He's, he's definitely a contender there. Yeah. Um, cast wise, uh, I, I think this had like a lot of familiar faces, Lupita and Winston from Black Panther, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, um, Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric. You ever watched that show? Oh no, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that show. I haven't either, but I hear people talking about it. I heard it's yeah. pretty good. Um, but yeah, not, not your, ge- I don't think any of these guys have done any horror in the past. Um, anyone else you recognize? Um, no, not really. You mentioned Elizabeth Moss, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mad Men and Men's Tale. Yeah. And she was she was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> she has one yeah. of the creepiest some of the creepiest moments in the whole movie. She does, yeah. Oh man. Uh she she was yeah, she was really fun to watch on. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, just the character she played and everything was, was pretty entertaining. Yeah, and the kids, uh Shahadi Wright Joseph is the daughter mm-hmm. Zora and Evan Alex is Jason, they both they both did really well too. Yeah, overall, I feel like it was a pretty well-rounded cast, and everyone, for being a first time in, in the horror genre, I feel like they were all doing pretty well. Yeah, Zora, the daughter, was her doppelganger was one of the creepiest for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that haircut, man. Yeah, and just her That's... facial expression. It. Yeah. Very creepy and unsettling. Yeah, that was that was an interesting part of this film because each actor or actress had to play their doppelganger, which is like this creepier, scarier version of themselves. And uh, it's yeah. cool to see that dynamic between, you know, their normal self or their the, the the real world self versus the doppelganger. Yeah, I mean that's challenging for an actor, and every everybody did a great job. Yep. Yeah, that was cool to see. Some of them didn't have as much of a challenge because, like, it seemed like the guys' doppelgangers were just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gorillas. Yeah, they, they just, just had, like, like made noises and <laughs> yeah, groaned. Yeah, yeah, they had a much easier job there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Um, any other interesting facts, or do you got a Ohio connection for us? Um, let's see. Oh, Hands Across America features prominently in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it seems, from what I found, that Ohio had more major cities participating along the route in Hands, Hands Across America than any other state. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. We had five know, cities, Youngstown, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Toledo. That's weird. Uh, were, were those like different lines? Because, I mean, those aren't at like the same uh, lateral or latitude. It zigzags like across oh. the uh, state. I see. I see. Um, yeah, that, was, that, was, that whole concept is pretty fascinating. I Do you remember this happening at all? No, I mean we were three, so I, yeah. I was. I'm aware of it happening, but I don't know much about it. Oh, so even before you saw it on this film, you're aware that this event happened in 1986. I was, yeah. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I had no idea. I thought they were making that up, and then yeah, you look it up, and it's crazy. Yeah, and uh, there was like there were celebrities who participated in it, and Michael Jackson participated in Columbus, Ohio. Oh wow, he was actually there. Yeah, and. Michael Jackson is a little, I mean, he's not in this movie, but they're, uh, the Thriller t-shirt is kind of a, an important oh, yeah. element of the movie, too. Huh. 
yeah, I, I, maybe I'm blanking on what you're talking about, but I remember seeing a Thriller t-shirt. Yeah. Um, okay, got it. Cool. Well, anything else before uh, we dive into the spoilers in our review? Um, no, that's that's pretty much all I have. Cool. All right, well, uh, I need to take a quick break. I see a family hanging out on my balcony. I'm going to go check in and see what's going on with them, uh, and then we'll get back to it. Sounds good. All right, I'll be right back. All right, Brian, I'm back. Okay, all is well with the fam? Yeah, I, I forgot I'd locked out. Uh, the neighbors had come by around Christmas to do some Christmas caroling, and I locked them on the balcony. I guess they're still out there, but they looked okay. <laughs> <laughs> Winter's been okay on them. <laughs> I'm interested to see how you tie that to this movie. <laughs> A family hanging outside? Is that... Uh, <laughs> Is isn't that like the main catchline for this? Like, there's a, a family out the, outside the door. Sure, yeah, but they haven't been out there for three months. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was more like 15 years or 20 years. I don't know. Uh, yeah, all right, well, 32 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess since the 80s. All right, so cool. So uh, just diving into the, the movie and the plot. So uh, this movie kicks off with uh, some text. And it lets us know that under the United States of America, there are hundreds of miles of abandoned underground tunnels. And I looked this up, and I guess that's true. Did, did you know about this? I didn't. Um, but that kind of makes sense between mines and yeah. Uh, what one of the episodes we just talked about how there was an abandoned subway station under Cleveland that nobody uses. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it is a bunch of mines and, and like old subways and tunnels and things like that. Uh, it is, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah. You, you never think about that. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a note up front, and, and you're kind of confused on why, why they're mentioning that. Uh, so then we're introduced to a young girl named Adelaide. Uh, it's 1986. She's watching a promotion for the event Brian just talked about, Hands Across America. And uh, it's the event where people hold hands across the country to raise funds for a charity uh, for Africa so, or some family out there maybe. Um, so then we see her at night with her parents at a carnival. She wanders off on her own and she comes across this fun house that has all these mirrors and she's wandering around alone in them and, and she's wearing a thriller t-shirt, right? This is what you're talking about. Yeah. Her dad had just won her a thriller t-shirt. So she put that on over her hands across America t-shirt. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot he won that shirt. Good point. Yeah. Um, so she's wandering around this, uh, fun house by herself and we get our first scare when one of the reflections of herself she sees, like, turns around and looks at her. And, and then I think that scene just cuts with her screaming, right? Yep. Or okay. a sh- very shocked look on her face, maybe. Yeah, yep. Uh, pretty cool, cool visual there. Yeah. So then we jump to present day, and Adelaide's older. She's played by Lupita. Um, and her husband, Gabe, and their two children are going to their family's beach house, uh, which is close to where that opening scene took place. Uh, around Santa Cruz, and right. uh, throughout the opening, like there's they're in the car, and there's some great character building uh, between the siblings and the family, um, some good comedy here and there, and I I, th- I thought they did a good job of setting up the characters and their relationships. 
Yeah, for sure. You you really care about the the family. Yeah, and and Gabe is kind of like this uh, comedic relief in a way. Uh, like yeah, he's just kind of like this dumb dad, I guess. Yep, just, for sure. Yeah, he's just trying to like compete with the with his uh, his friends or the neighbors. Like, gets a boat. Um, you know, he wants to make sure that he's living a better life or flaunting it or whatever. Yeah, he's kind of like a sit- typical sitcom dad. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Um, so one day they go to the beach to see their friends, um, and their youngest son, well, Adelaide is really nervous, uh, about going to the beach and you can tell she's still kind of traumatized from that incident that happened back in the eighties, which, um, you know, I don't think she's told anyone about, she's kind of kept to herself. Uh, so they go to the beach, uh, she's kind of on edge the whole time. Their youngest son goes to the bathroom and while he's coming back, he sees a man in a red jumpsuit, uh, whose hands are all bloody up. Um, but then he comes back and, uh. They, they they head home. I don't think he tells the parents anything, but he, he does some kind of creepy drawing at home, and the mom sees it, and she's kind of weirded out by it. But then that night, they see a family standing in their driveway, a family of four. Uh, the family eventually breaks into the house and takes um, Adelaide and her family hostage, and Adelaide and her family realize that this family's a deranged uh, doppelganger version of them. Um, so Adelaide's doppelganger, who I guess uh, is referred to as Red, is the only one in this group that speaks, and she starts to tell them the story about a girl who lived in the shadows, and kind of drawing parallels between everything that happened in Adelaide's life, like getting married, having kids, to this darker version of what you assume happened to her doppelganger, Red, in her life. Um, yeah. So yeah, Brian, I mean, this is kind of the part where they start to, I feel like, dive into some of the metaphors of, of the title Us and bring about like some of the darkness I mean, what was your interpretation of this scene and that like dialogue that she gave hmm yeah it's tough it was tough to like watch this movie and interpret it at the same time mm-hmm. um yeah. but at the end of red's adelaide's doppelganger's kind of speech i think adelaide says something like who are you and she's like we are americans yeah and that kind of made me feel like, okay, this is a metaphor for <laughs> the less fortunate in society, like yeah, p- people who are kind of trod upon or forgotten. Yep. Um, homeless people, prison, the prison population, maybe due to right. some of the other imagery later in the film. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they're all kind of in like red jumpsuits. Uh, yeah. So I kind of my thinking was, okay, this is maybe a metaphor for the less fortunate and the forgotten. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think when she does say that, it, and I've, I've read other people interpret it that way too. And the, throughout the whole movie, and I think this is the starting point uh, where it starts to divide the characters from like this other version of themselves. Um, I, I think like when she first starts talking, I kind of think she's talking about uh, the doppelgangers represent a dark version that lives with, within us. But then you're right, when she's like, we're America, I mean, then it kind of points to like this broader thing that, it's not just like you and you know your internal conflict or struggle, but it's also like you and like you know society around you and how like disconnected things can be. So I, I think right. this is kind of where it starts to play with those themes. Yeah, yeah, and like they were born into their circumstances, um, mm-hmm. and it could have been you or right. That that's kind of my interpretation up front and and through the movie, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's open. There's a lot of different ways to interpret it, which I think makes it an interesting movie to talk about after the fact. Yeah, I know for sure. A lot, a lot to absorb 
and a lot yeah. of different Oh, and then like the Hands Across America theme, like that was to benefit the hungry and the poor and the homeless. So yeah, kind of sticks with that theme. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I think as we go through that, I, I think you start to realize how many different interpretations and how many themes this movie can, how many layers it has that it could be uh, speaking to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so after she gives a speech um, and you realize, oh shoot, this movie, the metaphor alert, there's something going on here. Uh, so the family breaks up into pairs. Uh, they, they Each of the doppelgangers kind of take each of the family members aside. Uh, you know, the the daughter chases, uh, the, the, the doppelganger daughter uh, chases the real daughter through the streets. The son, uh, the doppelganger son takes the actual son and they go into a closet. The Gabe, uh, the father, and his doppelganger drags him out to the boat, and then the mother is, uh, Adelaide's there is t- talking to her doppelganger. Um, but uh, eventually, somehow, the family is able to overcome the doppelgangers. Gabe is able to get his doppelganger um, eaten up uh, or shredded to pieces by the, the motorboat. Um, I think the son traps his doppelganger in the closet. Uh, the daughter manages to outrun her doppelganger. And Adelaide and the rest of the family escape on a boat. So that, that was kind of a cool like home invasion scene. That reminded me a lot, a lot of the strangers. I, I don't know if you got that vibe at all. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a fun, pretty intense, uh, scary scene. And they are cool scenes of like uh, while they're like hiding in the house, trying to keep the door locked. You see like the family climbing up trees, and and the the little kid doppelganger is really scary. He wears this mask, and he makes like these growling noises. So yeah. it's, it's pretty freaky bunch. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. There's some suspense in that scene for sure. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, we cut to a scene of their friends. Uh, this is Elizabeth Moss, uh, who they had hung out with at the beach, and they're hanging out their house. There's some funny dialogue between her and her husband. Um, they obviously don't like each other, and she's worried that someone's outside, and uh, the, he's not taking it seriously. But they're attacked by doppelgangers of themselves who murdered them and their two daughters, and I thought this scene was an interesting contrast to the scene that we saw before this in terms of like, you know, this is a well-lit house, whereas like the other one was dark. And this one was kind of more fun. Like it was a little more funny. They were playing like fuck the police on it. Uh, it was just a really interesting side-by-side comparison. Yeah. And there wasn't much suspense for their kills. It was just like this family barged in and just took the scissors and yeah. slashed them and it was done. Yeah, and I guess they can do that because they've introduced with the last invasion, like the whole concept of the doppelgangers and what they're doing. So this one, they kind of cut straight to the kills. Yeah. So yeah, which I liked. It kind of and it kind of just like goes little balls to the wall after after yeah. some suspense with the the main family. Yeah, yeah, you get some fun action scenes and good comedy intertwined. Yeah, get some body count. Yeah. Uh, so then Adelaide and her family show up to that house and they encounter these doppelgangers of their friends. They manage to kill them. Uh, and it's, it's kind of fun. The, the, the daughter and the son, uh, knock out the two kids with like a golf club and, and a rock. And, um, I forget how the, the mother is killed. Um, oh, I think she's killed by the rock. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, Adelaide and, and her family kind of uh, jump into the, the their friend's car and, and they head out, I think, for the coast. On the way, they run into the doppelganger of the daughter and they, you know, kill her. Um, I think they run her over. They slam her with the car. She flies off the car. And this is a strange scene here where Adelaide gets out of the car to go inspect the dead daughter uh, just to make sure she's, she's dead maybe. Um, Brian, did, did you get what they were going for with this scene? 
Yeah, it was a little bit like she felt like that was her daughter dying. Yeah. Like, she almost felt like she had to go be a mother to her. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's kind of what I felt to it. It was kind of like a, a connection in the movie between the real people and, and their doppelgangers. Like, there was, like, that human connection for a minute there. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't know how much to read into that. Yeah, yeah, I me mean neither. Um, but I, I think you're right. It's it's probably something along the lines of that. So then Adelaide and her family, uh, they go... Um, oh, sorry, yeah. So uh, then Adelaide and her family, they arrive at the coast, and the coast is kind of like a ghost town, a lot of dead bodies all over. Uh, it's daytime by now. Uh, they're ambushed by Adelaide's doppelganger and the son's doppelganger, and um, the son is able to kill his doppelganger, by kind of walking backwards, and his doppelganger kind of copies his move and walks backward into a burning car. Um, this was interesting because throughout the movie, it implied that the son had some control over his doppelganger, like in a mirror kind of way. But I, I don't know, because I, I, you didn't see that with the other ones, um, so I'm not sure how that played out in this scenario. Do, was that clear to you, Brian? Yeah, I'm not sure why he was able to do that with his doppelganger and other people weren't, but it, yeah. they did hint earlier in the movie that he his doppelganger mirrored him a bit yeah. to an extent. Yeah, right, right. But it was like only that one instance of, of him, and you didn't see that with anyone else. Yeah. Oh, and, and the dead bodies everywhere. Um, they learned on the TV earlier after they went to the neighbor's house and encountered their doppelgangers that this was happening. Um, all over the country. Oh yeah, right. Which which is cool because I think until that point you're wondering if it's like a local thing, if it's just that family and or just their that family and their friends, and then you see it's like a national thing actually going on. Yeah, where, yeah. The stakes are raised. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, coming from Get Out, which is like a, a singular story on one person and one family, like you suddenly realize Jordan Peele is like trying to create a movie that's about like a widespread epidemic going around the country. Yeah, it's it's a grander scale, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're, they're on the coast. Uh, the son gets kidnapped by the, by Adelaide's doppelganger. Um, and then Adelaide kind of goes after him. Um, so she ends up back in the fun house, uh, and she realizes under the fun house, there's like this fancy escalator that goes down. And basically there's this tunnel under the, uh, fun house that just is like filled with rooms. And there are all these like kind of bunnies running around and she runs into her doppelganger and, this is where her doppelganger Red kind of um, explains what's been going on. So apparently at some point in the 80s, everyone was cloned, uh, and these clones were called the the Tethered. The, the Tethered? The Tethered. Yeah. The Tethered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that? The Tethered. The Tethered. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and these, these guys Tethered lived- abominations who are sometimes malevolent. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm glad you're keeping these words. <laughs> kind of keeping me on do, doing some vocabulary quizzes every week. <laughs> uh, so the tethered live in these uh, tunnels under uh, the U.S. and uh, there were there were clones of people above, and they were kept down there to control the people above and like their actions. But apparently, it was a failed experiment. It didn't go down that way. And basically, these people have just lived under ground and mimicking what the, their counterpart above on earth were, were doing and and you get a cool visual here where like it goes back to that opening scene where adelaide's a young girl walking through the carnival then you see what that version looks like in the young in the tunnel where it's 
like kind of like a really deformed version of it, which is, it's, it's, I thought it was kind of cool. It kind of shows like if you take something out of context, like it kind of looks pretty stupid actually. Yeah, it was like so stupid and like pathetic that it was kind of haunting. Yeah. Like you're seeing the lives these, the tethered lives out. So yeah, there are people on a roller coaster up above, like, you know, having their thrills and below there's just people like standing in this crowded hallway <laughs> yeah. as if they're on an, a roller coaster, like moving their arms up and moving their arms down and bumping around. Yeah. And it's just so sad and depressing. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah and I then thought... they show all these people snacking on like carnival foods and popcorn and hot dogs. And yeah. then the tethered are just sitting around this cafeteria passing around raw rabbit or like maybe live rabbits just yeah. munching on them. Yeah, that's some really powerful imagery. It's yeah, like, it was cool. Yeah, same same uh, actions, different context. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, who, who knows what that metaphor was? That was, that was pretty deep. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, her and she Adelaide eventually fights uh, her doppelganger Red, uh, and is able to kill her with uh, with scissors. Everyone in this movie had a bunch of scissors. No one had a gun, which I, I think would have made things a lot easier, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, gold scissors. Yeah, everyone. Where they get all these gold scissors from? Every doppelganger had a gold scissor. Yeah, that's definitely an open question, but I think it makes for some great, yeah. great visuals. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty stylish. Yeah, um, I think it kind of also like symbolized the cutting of the tether. Oh yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Kind of go. You could also say like, oh, they were like part of this underground laboratory, so maybe that lab just had like. A thousand scissors in stock. Yeah, they probably just had a, a vendor who brought a bunch of a, a vendor relationship with the scissor maker. Exactly. Yeah. This movie is um, really about vendor relationships. Yeah. <laughs> the perks of having a good vendor. Um, exactly. So yeah, these guys had been stuck down there, and, and Red is the one that kind of helped them escape. But then, so she tells Adelaide all that. Adelaide uh, finally, like, they fight, and she's Red's like actually a lot stronger than Adelaide, but somehow Adelaide finally kills her. Um, so then as they're driving away, uh, we get this flashback, uh, and sorry, the other thing to mention that I may have forgotten is, um, all the doppelgangers that have come to the surface have formed that human chain again from, uh, the, that, that line of human people from the eighties, the hands across America. So uh, you assume that now there's a line of people, these doppelgangers are just lined up across America now holding hands. Yeah. Um, so as, as they drive away, uh, it cuts to this flashback where we see Adelaide back as as a young kid in, in 1986 in that fun house uh, facing her doppelganger in that mirror. And that dapp- doppelganger reaches out and chokes Adelaide and basically takes her place. Uh, and so basically the movie reveals in the final minutes that the real life Adelaide that we had known and come to love and you know be cheering for was actually the doppelganger from the beginning who had escaped. And that the red, the woman that she had killed, was actually the the Adelaide from the beginning. So that's kind of what the movie ends on, like this final, uh, you know, kind of disorienting twist. And, and yeah. then we see those those people standing hand, hand in hand across the U.S. Yep, which is pretty cool. And I this is going to be similar to Get Out in that you're going to need to see this movie a few times before you catch everything yeah. that was thrown at you because you watched it one way. And now you got to go back watching it, knowing what you know. So you think someone to get out there a bunch of Easter eggs throughout? Yeah, 
Hmm. For sure. And like some of them are pretty obvious, but I think there are also a lot that that are missed that we probably missed. Uh, can you name one or two of the obvious ones? I, I just feel like I, didn't, I missed all of them. Um, so there are a lot of like the number 1111 appears a lot. Sure. Like they look at the clock, it's 1111. He's watching a baseball game and the score is 1111. Oh, um, yeah. This homeless guy at the beach holds up Jeremiah eleven eleven on a mm-hmm. sign. Yeah. Um, and then there are, in the opening scene when Adelaide is a little girl, one of the carnival vendors is wearing a Black Flag t-shirt. The oh, band, yeah. Black Flag. Mm-hmm. And then later on, um, one of Elizabeth Moss's daughters is wearing a Black Flag t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And their logo is like four vertical lines that looks like eleven eleven. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if that is all just meant to be like, hey, mirror images. That's Um, what I thought, yeah. But also it might tie back to this Jeremiah 11.11, which reads, Therefore this is what the Lord says, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Hmm. And apparently the context of that is that Jeremiah was warning that Jerusalem Jerusalem was facing destruction due to false idols. Oh, um, interesting. Like, so maybe the characters in the movie were... False. ...living this life of false idols and materialism. Yeah. And missing, not noticing or knowing that there's this whole other population who's living a different life. Wow, that is deep. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. Way to, way to, like, pick a theme and, like, stick with it and have it, like, kind of creep in in all these different scenes. That's, yeah. That's pretty deep. yeah. And I uh, think there are more, there's some movies on a shelf somewhere in the uh, opening that mm-hmm. kind of hint at what's about to happen and probably some of the symbolism in the, min, in the movie. Um, like Goonies is one of the movies and that takes place largely underground. Oh yeah, right. Oh, that's... One of the movies is Chud, which is a horror movie that I've never seen, but that's um, apparently, I think, kind of about homeless people living underground. Oh, okay. Wow. So it kind of references some of its inspirations. Yeah, some of its inspirations and some of its themes. And yeah. I think there's probably even more of that the more you watch it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe I'll have to watch this one again. I, you know, I remember leaving the theater after seeing this and just feeling so kind of disoriented and confused and thinking about like what, like, because there are so many layers and so many different ways to interpret this that it kind of left wondering like what was like the real story. And yeah, I think repeat watches what happened. I mean, how did, did you leave this like thinking this was a great success or like an amazing movie or how how did you feel right afterwards? I feel like it was a great success in that he had a lot of expectations on him and he didn't let people down. Mm -hmm. But I also felt like this wasn't to me, for me, other people might feel differently. This wasn't, this was not equal to get out. Yeah. Yep. But I also didn't expect it to be like Get Out is to me just perfect almost. So yeah. I didn't expect him to top that. Yep. Um, I don't think this is a perfect movie, but I think it's another really, really good movie. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think what made Get Out so good is it was so focused on like one person and talking about like, you know, a handful of like, uh, you know, themes or issues and hitting on them like in, in, a, in a good way. Um this one, it almost felt like it was so broad and abstract. Where, like on the surface, it's a pretty uh, straightforward story, but there's just so many layers to it that you you don't know kind of like where to focus when you leave. And 
I, I don't know. That, that's kind of one area where I thought Get Out was had a little bit of a sharper focus than, than this one. Yeah, and I read some critiques like that. Like he tried to pack too many ideas in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's fair. Um, it isn't it isn't quite as laser focused. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him, too, because Get Out had so many layers and meetings and yeah. uh, things you didn't notice the first time around that there's pressure on him to make another movie like that. And, yeah. Um, I imagine it's hard. How much do you pack in? How how toned down do you keep that kind of thing? Yeah, right. Right. And how much do you want to, like, spoon feed the audience versus throughout these, like, um, questions that you know people are going to talk about and try to figure out and interpret on in their own way i think get out had right a lot, right like there was some spoon feeding too like some of the references and uh, easter eggs weren't very obvious but you know lupita young's uh doppelganger says we are america like mm-hmm. that was pretty obvious so yeah there's definitely a lot of meaning to this one and uh, not a lot of clarity, and, and, and yeah, I think it it puts a lot out there that people can uh, have long discussions about if they have a podcast yeah. to discuss these kind of things on. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention, mention is that Adelaide's character, I think you said her doppelganger was the only one who could talk, mm-hmm. um, presumably because she was not Maybe. born a doppelganger. She was the real Adelaide. Yeah. Um, but she also spoke, her voice was like... Uh, different yeah maybe i'm gonna try to do another imitation again it's kind of raspy yeah yeah she was like a girl was eating raw rabbit oh my god you're great at these impressions man (laughs) (laughs) but do you think her voice was like that because adelaide or uh she was choked that that's what i heard doppelganger at the beginning of the movie yeah that's that's what i heard uh i I didn't realize if you choke someone when they're a kid they're gonna talk like it their whole life (laughs) well i mean if you damage someone's voice box I guess. I feel bad for all those kids I choke. Um, what if... Well, I mean, not if you choke on food, but if you're like someone's crushing your windpipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to have a long-lasting impact. See, yeah, yeah. I think th- I think that's why she talked like that. Which... Yeah. That, was, that add, definitely added to the scare, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely made her character all the more unsettling. And mm-hmm. then, oh my gosh, there's a scene where Elizabeth Moss's doppelganger is looking out the window seeing that her husband is being killed by um by Gabe. Yeah. And she has this look of like shock and despair for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then it just turns to like elation and yeah. like quiet cackling to herself yeah. and it is the creepiest scene in the movie to me. Yeah. Yeah, that was intense. That almost reminds me of in uh Get Out when the the housemate is having that like kind of breakout scene right where she's like crying but like kind of laughing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was powerful. Yeah. That's this, an interesting comparison. Mm-hmm. And, and it ties like Elizabeth Moss, I think, earlier it had said, like, oh, sometimes I just want to kill him. Uh, so now you see, yeah. like, her doppelganger kind of, like, going through these emotions watching her husband die. Oh, yeah. Good catch. Good catch. Yeah. That was a really cool scene. Yeah. Uh, throughout this film, I, I thought uh, one thing we didn't see in Get Out, which I thought Jordan Peele did more in this one, uh, he had a lot of a lot more great camera work, like a lot of slow camera that slowly kind of like took the viewer um, perspective and like showed like these big slow scenes around them. Um, I think he did that, a lot of that in the beginning and towards middle and end. Uh, did, did you notice that? I did. I just I feel like this movie was a little bit more stylized than Get Out. Yeah. Yep. I 
I remember like it, Get Out makes me feel like, oh my gosh, Jordan Peele's an incredible screenwriter. Mm-hmm. And then this movie kind of made me feel, oh, he's like a really good director. Like I didn't mm-hmm. love the screenplay as much in this one as I did his direction. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's a good point. This one he did really emerge more as a as a director, and you could admire his work there a lot more. Because uh, yeah, Get Out, I don't I don't remember anything like jumping out from a directorial standpoint. Yeah, I mean it was definitely well directed, but it wasn't quite as noticeable. Yeah, yep. Um, I thought this kind of had his trademark balance of like scares with humor, which I I, th- I think is really like one of his keys to success is like how he's able to balance like funny moments with like the scares that come between them. For sure, yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, and I think like understanding that the horror movie audience wants to laugh, like yeah, they need that. they don't want everything to be hereditary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take notes, Ari. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, how many uh, kids running around with scissors would you give this one? I would give this four kids running around with scissors. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some misses for me. Like some of the sp- stuff was. It was weird, like we mentioned. Some stuff was spelled out too plainly, and some stuff was so vague that I was just a little confused. Um, mm-hmm. And it was it was creepy. The acting was incredible. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The acting was amazing. I think people have been praising Lupita's performance because uh, oh, you know, yeah, we haven't even talked about that, but she just nailed it. Yeah, on both ends. Yeah, she kind of seals the show in this one. Um, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but How yeah, about I, you? You know, I, I think I'd have to agree with you. And it's weird because when I, when I left it, I remember feeling like a little bit let down and just a little overwhelmed and um, confused by what I'd seen and like what it all meant. And I might have like given it like a two and a half or three, but I think like in the weeks or days that have followed uh, and thinking about it more, um, reading online a little bit in this discussion, I, I agree. Like, I mean, that acting was great. The music was good. Jordan Peele's directing was amazing. Um, the story, and, and yeah, the only, the only hit I have is like that. Sometimes I think the story was a little too heavy or too abstract, um, which, you know, I, th- I think he's just a really smart guy writing, you know, a strong screenplay. But I, I yeah, know. yeah, it was, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, this could be a movie that it might feel more like a 4.5 or a 5 on my third or fourth time watching it. Yeah. um, It'll be interesting to see how it holds up. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm really curious. Uh, I think I I would give this one another watch because I, yeah. Yeah. Totally right. And like what is revealed on on rewatches. Yeah. If you can watch the whole thing knowing that Adelaide is not Adelaide, that will really change things, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Whole different perspective. Cool, man. Do you, oh, I know we're getting short on time, mm-hmm. or long on time, but That's right. do you think Adelaide, who we thought was Adelaide, knew that she was in Adelaide? At the end, when she was having that flashback, it almost looked like she was surprised. That part was super confusing to me. Like, why did uh, the real Adelaide go into that whole monologue and explain what the, like, was the, the tethered were when, like, she, you know, she knew that, like, this, this person was a doppelganger and would know that? Did you? Yeah, that? yeah. She wouldn't be like, you know who we are. Like, you remember. Yeah, you, you used to live here. <laughs> yeah. Why, uh... There there are some plot holes for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's, I'm always trying to take it easy on plot holes because if you make a movie that is so, that is not tethered to reality, mm-hmm. pardon the wordplay, like, you shouldn't have to explain every single thing. Like, there are going to be gaps. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it does raise a lot of questions when you think more about it. Yeah, I, I almost think this movie would have been stronger if they didn't have that twist at the end. I, I didn't feel like that was entirely necessary. But I, I, do, I don't know, did, were you happy with that? Or did it you... gets It's something to talk about. But yeah, I don't think the movie was any better for it, to be honest. Yeah. Although it might make the rewatch value better. Yeah, yeah, in my yeah, knowing that, um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out on on the second watch. But yeah, I don't, I don't know because like, throughout the movie you have the strong narrative like us, it's 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 them versus like the rest of America, or like them versus like the starker side of themselves, or um, you know, you're drawing this par- parallel, and then at the end you realize that wait, she wasn't like who she was uh, that that we thought she was, and it just adds like a whole other layer of complexity to or an already pretty complex storyline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't. And that's a good question. Do we need? Did we need that much more complexity? I didn't, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think you're right. Let's let's watch it again sometime and then see. We'll restore yeah, this one for sure. Cool. Anything else? That's all. All right. Well, cool. That, that's all for this episode, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion about us. Uh, if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club podcast on Facebook or in, and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Uh, if you liked the episode, give us a review. If you didn't like us, uh, give us a review as well. Love to hear from you. And uh, be sure to check Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you see someone who looks like you hanging outside an abandoned tunnel with some scissors, make sure you got a rock on hand because we all know rock's the only thing that beats scissors. Scissors.